This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. It was a cold November day at George Carver's farm when raiders attacked in southwest Missouri. And they took, excuse me, it's Moses Carver's farm. And they were there to, to capture slaves so they could make money and trade these slaves illegally. And so there was a woman, a slave woman, who was taken, and she had a little baby named George. Immediately after the raiders came and, and took these, the slave and her baby, Moses Carver, who owned the farm, planned to go pursue them. And he never did find the slave woman. History doesn't know what happened to her. But in an abandoned home, they found a little baby named George. And Moses and Suzanne Carver took this child and treated him like a son. He grew up in their home. He was educated. They spent time with him and teaching him all the latest uh, of farming and, and horticulture, all the latest knowledge that there was to know. And they even gave this young boy their own last name. And so that begins the story of George Washington Carver. And that's what I want to talk to you today about a word that that very much describes George Washington Carver's life, and it's the word innovation. George Washington Carver was a devout Christian. He he was known as a man of deep faith, a man who loved his God. But he was also a man of innovation. He was a botanist, a scientist. And God used him to discover so many things. And when our nation needed hope, God used the innovations of George Washington Carver to give our nation hope again. And I want this to be a reminder to you this morning. I'm going to talk again to the men. And obviously this will apply to to females also. But men, I'm talking to you today because God has made us, God has made us innovators. We are creators. We are those that have fresh ideas. There is something about a man with... uh, a fresh idea, a vision, a dream that God can use. And I want you to be encouraged today that your greatest ideas are ahead of you. Your greatest dreams are before you. None of you are washed up. None of you are past your prime. None of you uh, have nothing to learn anymore. God has called each and every one of the men here to be a leader at whatever phase of life that you're in. And if God can show us through history how he used a man like George Carver, then we can discover today that when we submit to God and we put God first in our life, there's no telling what he can do with our life. God is a God who, who inspires innovation. And he's inspiring you today. And there's some things I want you to understand and learn. If you're going to be a person, a man of innovation, you need to understand some principles. The first thing is this. Is that God places. God places. God places us in really unique situations. According to his sovereign plan. And that's one of the themes as we have looked at the life of George Washington and Patrick Henry. And and I looked at other lives as I reduced it down to these three or four we're going to discuss. There's no doubt in my mind that our God is sovereign. And he knows exactly when we should be alive and where we should be alive. And he places us in just the right situation. And I want you to remember that this morning. Now, in the natural, it would be easy to conclude that George Carver uh, was misplaced. 
Because he, he grew up, he was born into a nation and a world that had just, just incredibly difficult uh, social structure. Uh, unspeakable social structure. He was born as a slave and he lived his life in difficult times. Yet God used this man who seemed to be misplaced in time to inspire a whole people and inspire a whole nation. God's timing is always perfect. Galatians 4.4 4 is where we're going to start today. It's our first scripture. And it's a scripture that inspires me all the time when I think things have been mistimed. Our God's timing is perfect. Our God knows exactly when events need to unfold. And we're reminded of this in Galatians 4.4 4 when the scripture says, When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Think about that first phrase, when the right time came. Isn't it great to know that our God is not an accidental God? Our God has a timeline that is divine, that's full of wisdom. He makes no mistakes, and he understands the times of our life. The timing of your life is in the Lord's hands. He's put you at the right place, and there's a timing. There are things that are going to unfold in your life that you haven't seen unfold yet, but God's timing is always perfect. It doesn't matter if there's been a delay. It doesn't matter if... Things didn't happen on your time schedule. At just the right time, God's going to come through. God's going to place you at just the right time. Now, the Carver family, they they did not attend church. They, They weren't regular church attenders. But in little George Carver, there was something within him that drew him to Christianity. There was something within him that made him desire To seek out the Lord. And so every Sunday, George Carver would walk by himself over a mile just to attend church. And at that church, there was a Sunday school teacher. A Sunday school teacher who took special interest in Carver. Who mentored him. Who took his curiosity and and helped him to memorize scripture and understand the concepts of the Bible. I was thinking of this just a few minutes ago when Pastor Greg was here. And I just want to remind you, never underestimate the power of a Sunday school class. Never underestimate the power of a Wednesday night children's class. Never uh, underestimate the power of our 4.6 ministry and the power of our journeys ministry. Never underestimate... The prayers that you pray over the babies in the nursery. You never know how it can change a nation. I want you to hear that today. We don't, I'm sure there in southwest Missouri, in that obscure church, there was a little child who, in the social structure of that day, wasn't even supposed to be at church. But he was there, and there was a teacher There was a teacher, there was a mentor who said, I will invest in this child. I will make sure this child knows the word of God. Don't ever underestimate the power of that. We don't know who's passing through the doors of this church. We have no idea at the timing of God, whether it's a vacation Bible school or whether it's a weekly service. We have no idea what God is doing in the heart of a child We have no idea what God's doing in the heart of our teenagers as Pastor David and Margie minister to them. God has this incredible potential to use people like you and me who we're not the most perfect teachers and we're not the most perfect people. But when we serve and we give and we realize the potential, the potential that's in every child and teenager. And if we make that the focus of our church, the impact of this church will never know until we get to heaven. We'll never know what God can do. 
Never underestimate your contribution. For those of you who are part of the child check-in system, maybe you're not a teacher, but you can help check-in kids. And you might not think that's significant. But when a, when a parent feels secure and a parent's able to lead their children because we have a professional, capable environment, you never know the seed of God's word inside that child, what it can do. See, God has put the children and teenagers of this church at the right place. He's put your family at the right place. We're at the right place. We're right where God wants us to be. And sometimes in the mundane and in the boring parts of life and in the simplicity and in the ordinary, we lose focus on the fact that God has not only us but our church community in just the right place. At just the right time, God sent his son. And at just the right time, he's put us together. And we're together. God has us in the right place. But when God has us in the right place, sometimes it doesn't feel like the right place. Sometimes not everything in our life is ideal. Not everything in our life is perfect. Not everything in our life meets our expectations. But we have to realize that God doesn't just place. God prepares. God is preparing you, men of innovation. You have something to give to the world. You have something to offer. You have something unique. You have some expression of yourself that has yet to be discovered. It doesn't matter how successful you've been in the past. There is something greater ahead of you. The world needs you. The world needs your influence, men. The world needs your involvement. The world needs your leadership. And often the world doesn't recognize what you have. And that's okay. Because God is preparing you. God is preparing you. God is preparing you in the lonely place. God is preparing you in the isolated place. God is preparing you when you're not even noticed. For most of his life, George Carver was in a laboratory in obscurity in Tuskegee University or Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. He had lots of offers to leave that little college, that little trade school, but he was planted there. And in his laboratory, he would, he would work on projects and work on discoveries. And for most of his career, only a limited amount of people realized who he was. The president of, of that institute, you probably heard his name. His name is Booker T. Washington. And he was probably the most famous African-American of, in the world of his day. He met with leaders all over the world. And it wasn't really until he went off the scene did, did Carver emerge and Carver was known. The point I want to remind you of is George Carver by himself working on his experiments, submitting them to the Lord, praying every day. Not everyone realized the greatness that was in him. Not anyone realized or could expect the contributions he would make to our country. Not everyone could understand what was happening, but God was preparing him. God was getting him ready for such a time as this. God had him, had him on the potter's will, and he was shaping his life and shaping his experience. That reminds me of a wonderful analogy God had for Israel in Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18, as we go there, we, we can read together, starting with verse 1. It said, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. 
And he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel. And I want you to apply your name there. O Aaron, O Beth, O Steve, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Excuse me. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O Israel. Jeremiah had that word. The Lord said, go to a very practical place. Go to the potter's house. He went to a place and there the Lord spoke to him prophetically through something that just happened every day. And he went and he saw that there was this clay. There was clay. It was spoiled in the hands of, of the potter. There, there was nothing looking, looking good yet. There was nothing desirable. There was nothing there that, that anyone could see. But God was shaping. And God was molding. And God was taking out part of the clay that didn't need to be there. And he was adding what needed to be there. And he was forming and he was shaping. And what an encouragement it is to us in the time of preparation. Even when our life looks like a mess. I mean, I've been there when things just look like a mess. Things weren't going like I thought. I, I didn't feel appreciated. I didn't feel recognized. Maybe that was pride right there. But my ambition, my ambition did not reconcile with, with the fruitfulness I was looking for. I've been there. You've been there before. Come on, God's not done. God's not. He's got you at the right place. You're at the potter's will. He, he's shaping you into the person God wants you to be. Listen, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't think just because your life is a mess right now, tomorrow, you might see the new shape, the new form. It's a whole new deal coming. It's a whole, a whole new level God has for you. He's preparing. He's shaping you. God has you at the right place. And he's preparing you. But God doesn't just place and God doesn't just just prepare. God provides. God provides for you. And I want you to know this is our God is a God who is a partner with you. He's a partner because he's the one who began a good work in you. He's the one that began something great in your life. And he's the one that's going to finish that. And when I think about George Carver, I, I think about the similarities of his stories uh, with Moses. His father was named Moses Carver, or at least his adopted father, if you want to call him that. But there are some parallels at the beginning of his life with the life of Moses. And we'll go to Exodus chapter 2 because I want us to read this beautiful story once again. God's people were living in Egypt, and the Egyptians were trying to obliterate God's people. They were killing all the males, all the little boys they were killing. It says about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. And the woman became pregnant. She gave birth to a son. And she saw that he was a special baby and kept him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. And she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. The baby's sister then stood at a distant distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to the bank of the river and her attendants walked along the river bank. And when the prince, princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. 
And when the prince opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the prince replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own. And the princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. We see the beginning of verse 10. It says, later when the boy was older. See, there was a provision going on. See, somehow God knew that he needed a leader. And God needed a man. God needed a man like Moses who was going to look at slavery and say, no, no more. The Hebrew people will no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. A man who, because he wrestled with God or he, he had a touch of God, had the boldness to go into Pharaoh and say, let my people go. There was a provision from the beginning. From the very beginning, God preserved Moses' life. And he preserved Moses' life because he had a plan. And he preserved George Carver's life when those raiders came into Missouri to sell him and to send him to an to a, a unknown place. He preserved his life for a reason. And I want you to know something, that God loves you just as much as he loved Moses and just as much as he loved George Carver. There's a reason you're breathing right now. There's a reason you're alive right now. He has a plan for you. And he's going to provide what you need. He's going to provide what you need to be successful. He's going to provide what you need to be innovative. He's going to provide what you need to accomplish what he's put in your heart. That's innovation. Innovation is having the right idea at the right time. And God wants to be your innovator. He wants to place that idea in your heart. He wants to give you fresh eyes and fresh perspective. And he did that. He did that all through the Bible to all types of characters who begin to see possibilities that had never been. And with George Carver, he, he did that with the soil. He did that with agriculture. And George Carver was able to see things other people couldn't see. He was able to see possibilities other people never dreamed of. And when his country needed him, when his country needed him, his innovation inspired during World War I in 1917, America was gripped with fear. They were gripped with fear because the imports that would come from other countries would no longer come. And there was a thought, can America be sustainable? Can America, can America, can, can it survive on its own without these imports? And George Carver was there. He had been in obscurity all those years at the Tuskegee Institute. But now, providing hope to a nation to say, we can take a peanut, and we can take a sweet potato, and we can take pecans, and we can sustain ourselves. Because the power, the power of our nation is in innovation. The power is God inspiring us. And unlike the scientists of his day who only relied on empirical, value, uh, empirical process, George Carver believed in divine revelation. He believed that scientific discoveries 
didn't come from the scientific process that you've read about in your, in your history books, excuse me, your science books. No, he believed in prayer. He believed that God inspired discoveries and God inspired uh, uh, innovation. And when his country needed him, he had something to offer. When the war ended in 1918 and so many lives were lost and now America didn't think that they could compete with the rest of the world. And they were very concerned that they would not be able to produce enough food and they would be too reliant on the rest of the world. And so there became uh, different lobbying groups uh, began to lobby Congress for tariffs. And one of the lobbying groups were the peanut growers. And they sent George Carver to this really obscure congressional means and way committee meeting. And it was there that Carver was discovered by the whole world. There he brought his inventions. And he, he, shared, he shared with Congress all the different ways that a peanut, all the different ways a peanut could make us sustainable. And from that day forward, he was an international star. The story was given of a young man who was, who was stolen in slavery and was returned back to his owners and was raised and now was so innovative. And that started George Carver's uh, national and international acclaim. But what was wonderful about Carver is that he always gave God the glory. He didn't look to himself, he looked to the Lord. He looked to the Lord and he gave the Lord credit. And we see this, that in the middle... In the middle of the provision, you know, another, another thing that, another point I could have made, and maybe it would have been a better point, and I figured this out yesterday after we had already printed the review and put it in the media and put it on version. but maybe a companion point from God's provision is God's promotion. For, for God caused all the preparation that Carver did to emerge just when his people needed hope. And needed inspiration. Listen, one of the reasons maybe you haven't been discovered or your abilities haven't been discovered is God is waiting for just the right time. I mean, there's going to come a time when your community needs you. There's going to come a time when your church needs you, when your family needs you. And just keep being faithful to God. Keep preparing. Keep preparing, keep being faithful to him, and he's going to put you at just the right place. Because the last, last point I want us to observe together is that God pushes. God pushes. He pushes us. He pushes us past our own limitations. He pushes us, you know, past our own um, inabilities. He pushes us to innovate. And then I want you to know something, that God's not done pushing you. Our God loves you and he wants to stretch you. You are a leader. You are a learner. You have, you don't know everything you're supposed to know yet because God's going to keep stretching you. God's going to keep pushing you. God's going to keep putting you in challenging situations. And part of us says, I don't want to be challenged anymore. I want to be comfortable. God loves you too much to keep you comfortable all the time. Yes, there's seasons of comfort, but that's really what heaven's for. 
He pushes you because he wants the best to come out of you. And God wants you to be an innovator. And God wants you to be a leader. And God wants you to be someone who takes the measly gifts that you have. And by his anointing and by his power and by his partnership, he takes the gifts you have and he uses them for his glory. He uses you more than you can possibly imagine. We have great men here. We're talking about the great American men. But the great American men are not something in the past. The greatest American men are still emerging. They're still coming. They're alive today. They're breathing the same air we're breathing. They're in this room right now. I believe that men, God's called you to be an innovator. The legend goes and the story Carver would tell as he traveled the circuit after he reached his acclaim. He would tell the story. He had a heart for the South, the South that had been depleted by war, the South that, the, that had been depleted uh, through growing too much cotton that was economically depressed. And he wanted to help people. And so he asked God, he asked God this question. He said, God, will you show me the secrets of the universe? And God said, little man, little man, I won't, you're too small for me to show you the secrets of the universe. But I'll show you the secret of the peanut. And he, he took that one, that one seed. And over 300 inventions came from just the peanut. George Washington Carver. And he took the sweet potato. And over a hundred inventions came from that. And he took the pecan. And dozens of inventions came from that. And it showed us that when God partners with a man, a man who is humble, a man that seeks him first, there is no limit to what he can do. I want to talk to you today, men. Some of you, your sales that were your work are stale. And you are at the end of your ability to get more sales. Can you go to the Lord? Say, Lord, I don't know everything about the universe. Can you show me how to sell this product? It might be that in, in, in your particular place that you work, you feel that you're limited. And you feel like your bosses don't recognize your talent. And you don't feel like there's any path before you for, for advancement. Can you just say, God, can you take this job? Maybe it's loading docks. And you're loading a truck and you're unloading a truck. And there's something within you that wants to say, well, this job's not significant. This job doesn't mean something. But if you could take that job, say, God, can you show me? I can't know everything about the universe, but can you show me how loading, unloading this dock, if I submit it to you, what can you do with it? It might be for some of you, it might be a new job. And God might be showing you a new job. And I pray with you and I partner with you. But until the day he shows you that new job, be faithful with the job you have. Be faithful. Say, God, what can you do? If God could take the peanut and through innovation cause a man to inspire a nation, God can take your job and your trade and your skills and your words and your thoughts. And if you submit them to the Lord, there is no telling what God can do. There's no telling what he can do. You see, often that we, we could, if Carver could have seen the situation of his day where he was part of a race that had no respect, a race that was unjustly, unjustly subdued and, unju- and unjustly treated. And the circumstances of his life would not seem ideal. But like Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, the review says chapter 5, but you can add a zero there. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph said this to his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save 
the lives of many people. There's a new position for you. There's an advancement for you. Listen, advancement is not a selfish thing when you submit it to God. Somehow we begin to think that ambition is a bad thing. Selfish ambition is a bad thing. But if you submit your ambition to the Lord, men dream again. Daydream again. Desire to advance. Desire to succeed. Not for selfish ambition. Not so you can spend more money on sinful desires. Not so you can have more power over people and lord it over them and oppress them. But because you're a man of God, you have been placed for such a time as this. You have been placed. You have been prepared. God has provided for you. God is getting ready to promote you. And you, if you submit that to the Lord and you just say, God, take my measly gifts. Take my limited gifts and to your glory, God, there is no telling what God can do. The story of your life is not finished. Some of you have finished your story when God hasn't finished it. You you said, I'm done. I've checked out. Man, you're in the middle of the miracle, right in the middle of what God wants for you. And men, I am here to partner with you. Because I believe in every one of the men that God has in this church. I believe your greatest days are ahead of you. Your greatest ideas are ahead of you. Your greatest dreams are ahead of you. That God's going to stir you. I'm praying a holy discontentment on you. I'm praying that at the right times that God would stir your heart with passion for your family. Passion for your church. And passion for the commerce that you're involved in. Whatever field you're in. It's not, it's not too small a thing. God has placed you in a position to have great influence. If you're a coach of a little league team, you coach it like you're Vince Lombardi. You coach it to the glory of God. You give it your best because God has put you in that position. God has put you in that position. The, the things you do here at the church, you guys who mow, you mow to the glory of God, usher to the glory of God. You run sounds of the glory of God with passion, the best thing you can do because it's not a little thing. It's not a little thing when you say, God, you make me, you show me everything I need to know about this that you put on my heart. I want you to pray with me right now. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you so much for a chance to innovate. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are speaking and you have spoken to us. I pray for the men in this church, God. I pray, Lord, for those who feel hopeless. The Lord does not want you to be hopeless anymore. Some of you are scared to hope again. God says, hope again, dream again. Don't dream the way you did it before. Put your hope in the Lord your God. You put your hope in the Lord, he will not disappoint you. You put your hope in yourself, you'll get disappointed. You put your hope in the Lord. Our God is preparing you. Our God is preparing you. Our God is getting you ready. Uh, Some things didn't happen the way you thought they would, but that doesn't mean the story's over. God is getting you ready. Everything is birthed through struggle. Everything is birthed through pain. But in the end, new life will happen. And when new life happens, it's from the Lord. New life is always from the Lord. It's from nobody else. You cannot manufacture what God creates. God will create. He'll birth it in your spirit. There comes pain. There comes struggle. But it, it will emerge at just the right time. You are an innovator. God has placed you in the right place. God is preparing you. God will prepare everything you need to succeed. And at the right time, God will push you to great greatness. Men, we are starters. We are initiators. We are creators. We are innovators. We have new ideas. There's creativity in us. You are 
man, you are a man of God. You are growing. You are stretching. You are changing. You are relevant. You are cutting edge. You are an instrument in the hands of God. You are a change agent. And the world around you is a better place because you are alive right now. I speak that over you, every man in this church, every man who hears my voice. Even if it's on a podcast right now, you hear my voice and the Spirit of God is speaking to you right now that you are significant. Your life is significant. Do not think... Do not think because you don't have the measure of professional success that you're a failure because it is what God sees in you. It is what God sees in you that matters. And your greatest days of success are ahead of you. I've spoken that several, several times today. But God says, get your hopes up. Get your eyes up. Get your dreams up. Let them be fresh. This is a day. This is a day. We are Americans. We are American men. And God has placed us in this nation, among these people, to innovate, to lead, to create, and to be everything he wants us to be. Would you stand with me right now? Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.